Hey, good morning, everyone. Wow, everyone awake? Everyone good? Hey, let's stand together and let's worship this morning. next to you and say hello.
this morning the name above all names the name that has power God I pray that you move in us this morning our hearts are open before you our lives are open before you God speak and move like only you can pray you be with pastor buddies he delivers the message that you've placed on his heart God anoint every single word and let us just receive it with humility and gladness God, we just want to honor you and praise you this morning. Our hearts are open to you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The Bible says to be cheerful no matter what, pray all the time, thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you, who belong to Christ Jesus, to live. I think about being cheerful when I think about what the Word of God tells us, to be cheerful, to be joyful. I think about, you know, what my parents would tell me about being thankful because there's somebody who wishes they could trade places with you. When you can find that God is guiding and directing, I find joy in that. And I find peace in that because I know that he's the one who's keeping me cheerful. What inspires me to be cheerful is realizing um, how much that I've been given. I think of the day when I first became a mom and I held that new baby in my arms. There is really no other moment that compares to that and just how joyful and how cheerful you feel when you've been given this gift. It is definitely a choice that you make. It's a decision. Um, you can always look for the bad things that are happening or you can look for the good. It's just that attitude of having gratitude for all that you have, even when things aren't perfect. It's just kind of a stress reliever for me to give money away to something that I know is going to make a difference, that I'm not gonna waste it, I'm not gonna fritter it away on something that's not meaningful or important or life-changing. That's why it's really easy for me to give in the Thanksgiving offering, just knowing that it's going to change lives and what better way could you impact the world than that? When you give away, that gives you joy. When you can honestly give from your heart and expect nothing in return, and you know that person or those persons needed it, there's a certain joy that comes with that. And that just, it makes you smile. Every penny of the Salem Fields Giving Thanks Offering is given away to address the real needs of real people in our community and around the world. The Giving Thanks offering builds clean water wells and helps children gain an education in Nigeria. It provides blankets, food, and Bibles to people in India. It supports retired pastors who sacrificially served others. And it helps people in our own community who just need a helping hand to get back on their feet. The Salem Fields Giving Thanks offering. Be cheerful, be prayerful, be thankful. Isn't that beautiful? You know, that, every time I watch that, it just makes me smile, warms my heart, because this is Salem Fields. This is 
is you. Our giving thanks offering, we want you, first of all, to just begin to pray about what God would have you to give. And remember, we say here all the time, we do not want begrudging givers. That's not giving in the name of the Lord. It's as a cheerful giver. And what that means is that each one of us goes to the Lord and say, God, what would you have me to give? It could be anything from one penny to a million dollars. Who, who cares? It's about being generous and giving. And uh, first of all, it's really important for you, for you to pray. I know that when I watched this in the first service, I just asked the Lord, what would you have me to give? And I just want to ramp it up and say, okay, God, I want to give something that I know is of you, not just what I can give or what suits me or makes me comfortable, but something that's really going to uh, uh, say to you that I love you and I'm putting you first in my life. And he's beginning to, to do that in me. So every person has that responsibility to go to the Lord not to go to anyone else, but to say, here's what I can cheerfully give. Secondly, this is so important for Salem Fields because we want to be a generous church. Now, as I watch that, that's not footage that we found on the internet. We have walked the, that land. We've been in India. When I saw the, the ladies dancing, I thought, oh, I remember that day. And I remember when uh, the, those smiles, and it was a beautiful time, and in Nigeria, um, they get to have water because of Salem Fields. That means that you have connected there. We want to be a generous church, not just around the world, but here locally as well. We're reaching into elementary schools here. We're reaching into uh, the high schools, Massaponics, other high schools. And uh, we want to be a good steward in our community, good partner in our community, as well as we want to be a good partner around the world. We just sent a, a team to work uh, in, in uh, South Carolina after Florence. And uh, so that, that's, we are Salem Fields. And when we give to this giving thanks offering, that means that we have learned to be generous. And not only is it important for you to pray and important for Salem Fields, but it's very important for those people that every penny of that is going to go to meet needs in our community. And uh, so it's really important to remember all of that as you go to the Lord and say, God, would you have me to give? Now, you see that our goal right there is 65000 Last year, we had a goal of 55000 and we exceeded that all the way up, I think, to 75000 That is Salem Fields. I'm so happy to be part of, of a place that is generous. So uh, if you would do that, I know that your heart would be warmed as well. It does, as Deborah said, it, makes, it, it truly will make you smile. So uh, thank you for that. And we're going to take our tithes and offering in just a few moments, and you probably know what that's all about. Tithing, if you don't know, is giving God the first tenth of everything that comes in. And uh, Buddy and I started practicing that a long time ago. And I was just talking to someone today and saying, I am blown away at how faithful God has been in my life. I would never have dreamed that I could have gotten to travel the world, but he's provided that for me. And I'm so honored to, he has so proven himself to me, I would never doubt him again. Now, you may be just getting started on this journey and have all kinds of doubts. And you know what? That's okay, too. When you get my age and you walk this life, you will see that he'll prove himself to you over and over again. And uh, so as we give our tithes, we give that cheerfully as well. Our offerings are that is that above our tithes. And uh, these are the ways that you can give there. There's a connection card in your program, and you can communicate with us on that co connection card. You can uh, give us prayer requests if you have those or... Um, any way that you need to communicate. And if you're a first-time guest, if you'll go out to that little table out there, we've got a, 
a little gift for you to say, hey, we're glad you're here. We'd love for you to come back and check us out. Takes a couple of times to really get what Salem Fields is about. What we really want people to understand is that this is where the presence of the Lord comes together with the body of Christ and we worship and we celebrate him. And he does some amazing things among us. Check into Facebook, pull out your phones, check in and say, hey, Salem Fields Community Church is a great place to be. You can come and rip off church face. You don't have to have it all together here because uh, your pastors certainly don't. And, and uh, so we, wanna, we want it to be a safe place where we can just be uh, mess ups and <laughs> God still loves us, right? But that uh, as Buddy, his message today, one of the best days of your life is when you learn what God's purpose is for your life. And God's purpose is that we would do his will and grow in him, not just be... Uh, people that say I'm saved and I'm I love Jesus, but we truly are growing and uh, Operating out of the purpose that he's placed in each one of us trunk and treat is coming up I was at one last night at Jason's Church connecting point in uh, Richmond and it was a huge success. They had 22 uh, It's kind of a small church and they had 22 trunks and they had about 300 people come on their property And I was so happy for Jason and that team there that had worked really hard. So ours is coming up actually when Wednesday, hey, you're on top of it. And so, uh, you know, I just learned that being a cowboy is not politically correct, but um, I'm going to be a cowboy again. I've been that every year. <laughs> I've been that every year, and uh, that's the only uniform I have. So, and I take every opportunity to wear my cowboy chaps and my Stetson hat. So, that's what I'll be. Not like I'm trying to break any rules or anything, it's just that. I'm a cowboy, a cowgirl at heart. All right, so that's that. We need more candy. Bring as much candy as you can. I ate out of Jackson's uh, bowl last night. Had a whole bunch of Snickers. And uh, until I found out that's his favorite one, so then I took the M&Ms. And, <laughs> so, and then also trunks. We need more trunks, of course, and also volunteers. So now I'm going to say, who has not volunteered for a trunk or candy or whatever, and will say, I will be part of it. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. Just go out to the table out there right in the little lobby and sign up to help on Wednesday night. We really, hey, I'm doing parking lot again, and we really need somebody to do parking lot with me. I don't want to be in charge. I want someone to tell me what to do, and I'll go do it. Okay, so we need more parking lot people to come and be with the cowboy. Okay. All right, membership class is coming up. And uh, if you have not been to a membership class, this is an opportunity for you to learn to know anything that you want to know about Salem Fields Community Church and become part of this body. And uh, we would love for you to be part of that. It's November 11th, and it's going to be uh, during the 9 o'clock service. So we're going to continue to worship. I think we have something else right now, right? There you are, Chris. Give Chris a big old hand. I'm Chris. I'm a member of your leadership board. And at this time, if all the members of the leadership board that are here would come up and volunteers as well, we have a little special thing. I know this is only the first, only the one service, and I'm sure everybody has been spread it through the others. October, if you're not aware, is Pastor Appreciation Month. Of course, it really should be Pastor Appreciation Year. We should appreciate our pastors all year long. 
And we want to take an opportunity. This year we had donations from the board as well as volunteers. So I ask for volunteers who aren't actually volunteering right now. <laughs> if you're here, come on up. But I guess that's the nature of the beast, isn't it? Uh, but we really appreciate our pastors. Anybody here care at all about your pastors? A little bit. These folks work really, really hard two days a week to bring us an amazing service. Uh, <laughs> And we just want to show our appreciation. And so if we can have Michelle and Kelly and Trenton D and Rich is here and Tone, come on up here. Did I leave anybody out? I don't think so. Buddy, come on up. We have to, we have to bring you up here too. Oh, look, another cowboy, cowgirl. Woohoo! There you go. We shall all be politically incorrect together. My partner. Yeehaw. Ride him, cowgirl. But we just want to say thank you, and if you all could take a minute to thank them, not just today, but pray about them, obviously, all the time. It's important to pray for, for our leaders, um, but also to, you know, when you think of it, shoot them an email that says, hey, thanks, or just, you know, say something on the way out or the way in. This is a tough, tough, tough job, and unfortunately, it only, always seems that the people who are disgruntled are the ones that communicate to them. And those of us who are in the vast majority who love and appreciate these people tend to not say anything. So please, please, please make it a point every week um, to do something, to say something, um, expressing your love and appreciation. So, Michelle, Kelly, you, Rich, so much tone. Thank you so much. Folks, let's just a little bit show them how much we care. Yeah. Right? No kidding. We love you all. Don't lose it. Don't lose that. Thank you. And could I just say the rest of the staff here makes the pastors look really good. You know, Colin and Jody and, and Alicia, our assistant, and... Uh, you know, sometimes they kind of go unnoticed, and but the reality of it is we couldn't do what we do without the support of, of all of us working together. So could you guys just acknowledge all of the people behind the scenes that make us pastors look good? Thank you so much to the board and to you all for uh, loving us and... Uh, Buddy is uh, taking the next uh, part of our series called The Best Days of Our Life is the day that you discover your purpose. And uh, so here we go.
Good morning. It's good to see you. Thank you again for the, your appreciation. We feel appreciated just about every week. You know, so we really appreciate you too. So thank you so much. You know, one thing I want to clear up is something my small group person brought up last week and said that I just text on the stage. <laughs> well, I did it maybe twice, but it was not, I was telling somebody something that needed to know something in the sound booth. I wasn't just like up here like finishing my sermon going, hey, how's it going, Dave? <laughs> so anyway, Shannon, that was for you. <laughs> oh, I don't think I've ever done that, but it's possible. Phew. I'm trying to get the nerves out for some reason. But I'm glad you're here today. What a great day to be in church today. You know what? I loved last weekend more than any weekend in a long time. Yep. Got my little Dallas girl right there on the front. Yeah, nobody looks good in blue, baby. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, there's our Texas girls. My favorite sound is clang. <laughs> oh, anyway, let's get down to business. <laughs> Did you know the story about these three guys who wanted to sneak into the Olympic Village? Now, I don't know what they were up to, but uh, maybe they thought someone would think they were... Uh, uh, athletes, or they maybe they just wanted to meet some girls. I don't know. But they hung around the screening table, and the screening tables where people check in at, and soon this big hulking guy walked up with his duffel bag over his shoulder, and he had bulging biceps like mine, and he had a size 19 neck, which that might be true, fat neck. Anyway, and he said to the guards, I'm Angus McPherson, Scotland, shot put. The security team looked at his bag, and there it was, a huge shot put and they waved him right through and they gave him his room keys and some meal coupons and, and, and all that and so the three guys they were watching this said to themselves this is pretty cool we can do this so the first guy he sneaks outside and he finds a tree and he slices off the branches of the tree limb and he, come by, he comes back in and he says to the guards chuck wagon Canada javelin the guard inspects his javelins and hands him his envelope with all of his stuff in it and the second guy comes uh, goes down the alley and he pries open one of those manhole covers uh, and, and he marches up to the front gate and he announces himself Dusty Rhodes, Australia Discus they said welcome to the, list, uh, to the Olympics Mr. Rhodes and so these two guys had made their way and then postured themselves into the Olympic Park and they were hanging around the gate for their third friend who had a tendency to drink a little beer, and they wanted to see if he could weasel his way in. Well, a couple minutes later, he walks up to the front gate, and he has this big, huge uh, roll of barbed wire uh, painfully tucked under his arm. The guard said, who are you? And he said, Foster Bean, he says, Vermont, USA fencing. <laughs> anyway. Kelly, that's what I love about you. <laughs> it's a funny story, though, that represents how hard it is to do something or be something we're not. That we're all created to do something, and it's hard to do it when we're not created to do what we're trying to do. Today, we're continuing our series. You already know that, the best day of our lives. And so far, we've looked at the day we were born, you know, which is the day that kick-started the rest of your life. I mean, God knit us together in our mother's womb, and, uh, and we were uh, born, and it kick-started the rest of our life. And we looked at the day we were reborn, the day that we 
uh, got another shot at this thing. I mean, we got a mulligan, so to speak, uh, and, and we... And, uh, and we asked God to forgive us of our sins, and he forgave us of our sins. And then last week, Lane talked about uh, the day we surrender. Now, he didn't talk so much about it actually being the best day of our life, but he talked about being sanctified, being set apart, surrendering our life to, fully to God. And it's the best day of our life because that's the day we, we, uh, we become uh, less self-centered and more Christ-centered. It's a day that we are not so focused on ourselves, but we begin to focus on God and other people. Today we're going to look at why we were born. Why we were born. The day we discover the purpose for our lives. The day we were born. Why we, when we figure that out, it can be the best day of our lives. For a few years ago, uh, for three weeks, Elvis Presley's album, The Greatest Hits, had been the number one album in the nation. Now this is 25 years after the guy died. Now, he was an enormous success. I mean, Gay and I and, and uh, Gracie accidentally stumbled into Elvis Week in Memphis. Uh, we were the only people there that didn't know it was Elvis Week. Uh, <laughs> but I got to tell you, there were thousands and thousands of people that had come for Elvis Week, and the dude's dead. I mean, I'd say it respectfully, he's dead. And... <laughs> And I even heard on the radio they have a night that everybody goes in and it's a candlelight thing and they go by his grave. And I heard that people waited 10 or 12 hours just to get inside the gate so they could walk by his grave. He was an enormous success. But, uh, but according to his friends, he was an unhappy and unfulfilled man. He died of obesity and drug dependency in the bathroom. What a way to die. I mean, and, and in an interview with his wife, Priscilla, she said this about her husband. Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be. In other words, she said, Elvis never discovered why he was born or what his purpose was in life. He thought, she said, he thought he was here for a reason, but he wasn't sure. Maybe it was to preach. Maybe it was to serve. Maybe it was to save. Maybe it was just to care for other people. And she said that agonizing desire was always with him, and he knew deep down in his heart he wasn't fulfilling it. So she said he'd go on stage, and he wouldn't have to think about it. And Elvis, though, didn't have a clue where to begin to look. Now, I've got a hunch that some of us are like Elvis. I mean, I'm not talking about maybe in the physical and emotional shape he was in, but maybe we're still wondering what we were born to do what our purpose is, but we really don't know where to start. We don't know where to look. It reminds me of an episode of Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. I do. I love Raymond. Watch this. Allie? Hey. Hi, Daddy. Hi. What you doing? Just playing with my dolls. Oh, good. Good. Listen, um, the other day you... You ask questions about babies and stuff? When you started sneezing? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, anyway, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that now. Okay. <sighs> Good. Good. Okay. Let me try to explain a few things. Oh, right. 
says, when a man and a woman love each other very much, they get married. And then sometimes they decide to make a baby. Why are there babies? Right, right. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Okay. What a man and a woman do is... No, I mean, I know that the man and the woman have to do something, but why are we born? Why has God put us here? Because that's what? If we all go to heaven when we die, then why does God want us here first? Um, why does God want us here? I heard you. <laughs> you don't want to talk about sex? No. You, ever, you ever hear the word fallopian? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, you really want to know why God wants us here first? That's a good question. You see... God is up in heaven, and, well, honey, it's very crowded up there. It is? Y yeah, yeah, and, and you don't want to be in heaven if it's crowded, right? I mean, remember when we went to Disney World, how crowded that was? Huh? I mean, it was fun, but it was too crowded, right? So God, he sends us down to earth for a little while to ease the heavenly congestion. one of the best clips. Uh, but you know, like Allie uh, and Raymond, maybe you go through life wondering the same thing. Why were we born? I mean, wondering what the purpose of our life is. Jeremiah, believe it or not, all those years ago, he wondered the same thing. He asked the question, why was I born? He said, was I, only, was I born only to have trouble and sorrow in my life and live in disgrace? You know, there's someone, maybe there's someone here today that feels like that's all your life has been about. It's been about trouble and sorrow and, and, and disgrace. And you just feel like, you know, man, Lord, just keep dumping it down on me. You know, and there, you think there's no purpose for your life. Jack Hanley wrote, I hope life isn't a joke because I don't get it. 
You see, and there, there are a lot of people today that don't get it. I mean, we just don't get it. You know, the educated and the not so educated, the poor, the rich. You see, life without purpose is not worth living. Life with purpose is a life that's worth living. And discovering my purpose will be, the des- will be or is the best day of my life because purpose gives meaning to your life. Uh, purpose simplifies your life. It defines what you do or you don't do with your life. And it prepares us for eternity. You see, folks, when you take God out of the picture, and, and much what's happening in our culture today, when you take uh, God out of the picture, life has no meaning or no purpose. And so we have to get involved in all these causes and all these things because we're trying to find meaning, we're trying to find purpose. And we start taking sides and we start doing all that. So we think that's going to give us meaning for our life. And life has no meaning when God's not in the picture. But it's impossible to take God out of the picture. It's impossible. You see, you might say, why? Because God has set you and I uh, apart for a purpose. Now, Jeremiah says, before I formed you. Now, look at Jeremiah here. He's like young guy. And God's called him to this thing. And he, he's like his head's swimming. Because he's under, beginning to understand why he was born. He said, uh, God said, before I formed you, Jeremiah in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He didn't appoint him to a job or a vocation or a career or a college. He said, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You know, I like to put my name in there and say, and God saying, buddy, before I formed you in the womb, buddy, I knew you. You see, So once again, we see from this verse that in the foundations of the earth, before God ever knew us, or or before, uh, before he formed us, he knew us, and he formed us in our mother's womb before we were born and reborn, and he has a purpose for our lives. He has a purpose for our lives. Whoever you are, whatever your life experiences, your talents, your physical ability, or your role in life, I'm here to tell you today you have a purpose, and the reason you have a purpose is because Paul said we are God's workmanship. Whether we are a believer or not a believer today, we are God's workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, Paul points out two things in this verse. The first thing he points out is God created us. We know that. We've talked about that. That's been part of our series. And that we found out that uh, we're not an accident. Because God created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. None of us are accidents. No matter what anybody's ever told us, oops, you were the oops moment in our marriage. Not true. Every baby, every person uh, uh, is born with purpose. And that's what he says. God has a plan for your life. He has purpose for your life. You were born for a reason. And once we discover that reason, it will become the best day of your life when you know why you're born. Mark Twain, remember, just kicked the series off. Mark Twain said the best two days of your life is the day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. So if you're like Allie and Raymond and and others and you want to know your purpose in life, you have to go to the Word of God to find your purpose in life. You can't go out and do all this or that and test the waters or whatever. Uh, You you have to go to the Word of God to find out why you're created. So today I want to share with you what I believe uh, uh, is why the Bible says that we were born. You know, Rick Warren's 
book, great book he wrote, Purpose Driven Life. You know, a lot of this stuff I've learned through that whole deal. And, 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 but I want to give you a biblical perspective on our purpose. And the first reason we were born was to get to know God. We were born to get to know God. Proverbs 9.10 says, knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. In other words, we will never understand life until we know God. We will never understand fully what's happening in our life until we, uh, until we know God. And the only way we can know God is through a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. You know, if we just know God, all we got is religion. And religion turns us off. It's knowing enough about God to say, I don't want anything to do with God. But I'm not talking about just knowing God. I'm talking about having a personal relationship with him. And life will not, under, we will not, life will not make sense to us until we know God fully. Colossians 1.16 says, for everything, absolutely everything, in my mind that means everything, Above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him, in Jesus. And it finds his purpose in him. Ephesians 1.11 says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Part of the overall purpose is he is working out everything and everyone. So if we want to know God's purpose for our lives, we got to get to know him. We got to get to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so, I, you know, I can't, I mean, it can't be much simpler than that. It can't be much easier than that because that's really what it is. That's what all of life boils down to, knowing God. Do you know God or, do you, or don't you know God? You don't know God. You know, it can't be easier than that. Marriages prosper when we know each other. And it's the same here. And that reminds me of a story about a man and his wife and and they're supposed to go out to dinner with some friends. Well, the husband doesn't want to go, and the wife does. And she says, I am not canceling our dinner. We've done it. We've already canceled twice, and I'm not canceling no matter how you feel. So you understand that the tensions are running kind of high, right? Dad wants to do something. Mom, or dad doesn't want to do something. Mom does want to do something. And so she is out by the car, and she's all dressed up. I mean, she's dressed to, to the hilt. And, and while he's inside putting on a tie, finishing getting dressed. And when he comes out, he looks out and he sees his wife. She's crying, uh, wrecking her beautifully made up face. And he says to her, what's the matter now? And she tells him, I accidentally locked the keys in the car. Oh, no. He explodes. He blows up. And he yells at her, how could God make somebody so beautiful so stupid? And she comes right back at him. And she said, God made me beautiful so you would marry me, and he made me stupid so I would marry you. <laughs> but, then she, <laughs> but then she said, but God made us so that we could love him. You know, and, and you and I were born to know God. And the only way we can know God is through our belief in Jesus. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. But we were born to know God. We were also born to become more like Jesus. Romans 8.29 says, From the very beginning God decided that those who came to him, and he knew who would, 
shall become like his son. Now God's purpose since before we were born has always been uh, for us to know him. And also he wants to make us like Jesus, like himself. His plan from the very beginning is to, has been to make human beings like himself. Now that doesn't mean that he expects us to be God or be a God. And God doesn't want us to become a God, but he does want us to become godly. So our purpose in life is to know God, and our purpose in life is to become godly people. Now, he wants us to develop his character. And he wants us to think like he thinks. He wants us to act the way he acts. He wants us to feel the way he feels. He wants, to, he wants us to have his values, and he wants us to have his moral character. God wants to make us like him. And that's why you and I were born. He, he, was, he, he, was, he wants us to mature in our faith. He wants us to grow up. He said God wants us to grow up like Christ and everything. So what does it mean to grow up? It means to look like Christ. Ask yourself today, are you more like Christ than you were today you were reborn? If you are, then you're growing up in Christ. God's purpose for you and me is that we grow up. He wants us to mature and develop. And, and so you may ask yourself, what does a spiritual mature person look like? Jesus. He looks like Jesus. You know, we were born to become like Jesus. We were also born to worship God. Now, worship is more than a song. There was a songwriter that wrote a song that said that worship is more than a song. And he even went as far as, I can't think of the guy's name, but he went as far as to not allow his church to sing any songs on any Sunday. Because he wanted his people to know that worship is more than the, what we did uh, the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes when we came in today. And somehow in the church today in America, we put all our focus on what we sing and how good the band is and what songs they sang. And, 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 uh, and we've, all, we've almost become an entertainment culture. And we, we choose, and Trent's fired up over here today. Uh, we choose a church by whether we like the worship or we don't like the worship. But God uh, wants us uh, to uh, give our lives back to him. He wants us to give our lives back to him. We were born to give our lives back to, to him. He wants all of you and me. You see, God doesn't just want part, part of our lives. And what we have tend to do today is we make this checklist. I got to get up and go to work. I, I got I to gotta come home. I got to take the kids to soccer practice or baseball practice. I, I've got I've to go to the grocery store. I got to clean the house. I got to mow the yard. I got to clean the garage. I got I to go to church. And so we begin to check off. Well, I, I went to work today. I took the kids to soccer practice. You know, dot, 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 dot. And we get down and we say, well, I went to church Sunday, so I got that done. And God just becomes a part of our lives. And we say, well, I get, get up early this week uh, and I'm going to pray. And so we pray. And that's good. I'm not saying good. I'm saying it's not good to come to church. But we, we, we've, almost made God, we've almost made God something on our to-do list rather than God being all that we are and the reason that we exist and the reason that we get up and the reason that we go to work. You see, he doesn't want just to be part of our lives. He says... <clears throat> excuse me, to love the Lord God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. 
You see, God doesn't just want to be on the checklist. He doesn't want just a half-hearted commitment or partial obedience or the leftovers of our life. He doesn't want just like, well, I've got a little time, so I think I'll go to church this Sunday because i got a little time, and there's nothing else more important on my schedule. And really, that's how we've learned to live our lives. If we got time to go to church this weekend, if I got time to pray today, then I'll do that. And, and we, so we give God the leftovers. I got a little time left this week, so I'm going to do this. God's not interested in our half-hearted commitment. You see, God is not uh, interested in our partial obedience because partial obedience is no obedience at all. You see, he doesn't want the leftovers of our time. He doesn't want the leftovers of our money. He doesn't want just bits and pieces of my life. He desires our full commitment, our full devotion. He wants to be the focus of our worship. We worship God because, not because we like the song or we like the style or we like the place we're at, but we worship God because God is worthy to be worshiped. And whatever we love with all of our heart is what we worship. And God wants us, he wants to be the focus of our worship. He wants us to offer ourselves to him completely when we worship. Our worship of God is why we were born. Another reason we were born was to tell others about Jesus. To tell others about Jesus. The Bible says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now, we might say to ourselves, well, I'm out of that one because I can't go to all nations. Really, that's what the Thanksgiving offering is all about. We send that money where we can't go. Do you know a portion of everything that you give in that Thanksgiving offering goes to 160 different world organizations? 80 or 90% of everything that comes in goes, not to us, we send it to the Church of the Nazarene, to the missions, and they send out about 90% of that goes to 160 different world countries. And, they, and people like you and me are called, uh, some are called to go here and be a missionary and called here to go to missionary, to be a missionary and go over in this country and be a missionary, to be in this nation and be a missionary. And so we send them a little bit of money so that we can, they can take the gospel to every nation. They do much more with what we send than we could ever do if we tried to do it on our own. And so we do go into all nations. And we make disciples of nations. We baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now a portion of that money goes here and around the world. But I'm not talking about sending our money. You know, it has become really, really, really easy for us to stroke a check than it is for us to get involved. And I want you to stroke a check for the Thanksgiving offering. Don't get me wrong. But I also want you to get involved. I want, I need to get involved. You know, I, I'm preaching to me too. You see, it's really important for us to understand that regardless of how uncomfortable we are at sharing our faith and telling others about Jesus, no matter, regardless of how uncomfortable we are in telling others the good news, it is our responsibility to tell others about Jesus. That's what God's plan from the beginning. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
And the plan was that you and I would take the gospel into all nations and that we would tell other people about Jesus. So despite the change in our culture and the way that our faith is viewed, Christians were born and then commanded to tell people about Jesus. You see, when we start thinking about our purpose, we start thinking about what we're supposed to do with our life, what our career is supposed to be. What, a, you know, what job that we're supposed to have. This is my purpose. I'm to do this. No, our purpose is to know God and become more like him and to worship him with our whole heart and to tell others about Jesus. I could give you a great example, and I may have given it to you before. You know, the older you get, the less you remember. But I, there, we were, Gay and I were getting ready to build our dream home. We didn't go to church. I worked like crazy, had a great job. I thought that was my purpose in life was to just keep making money and getting advancing in the company, doing better and better and better, and I was doing really well at that. So we were going to build our dream house, five acres of land on top of the hill. And so there was a builder in our community that we heard about, and his name was Gene Cooper. And Gene Cooper approached us one day and said, I'd like to give you a price on your house. We said, come on over. He came over, and we sat in our living room. We told him what kind of house, and Gay had already had that all planned and knew exactly what she wanted. She told him, and he came back, and a few days, weeks later, and he said to us, he, he said, here it is. He gave us a price, but as he was getting ready to leave, he said this. He said, buddy and Gay, I don't care whether I build your house or not. I want you to visit my church. See, what Gene understood, Gene understood that he built houses so that he could tell others about Jesus. That, that, that God provided the needs for his family through building homes, but Gene understood that he was to tell others about Jesus, and he didn't care whether he, and he was sincere, he didn't care. We visited his church, we gave our life to Christ, and the rest is history. And Gene not only cared about us and our soul, he came over to our house every week, one night a week, and he did discipleship with us for eight or ten weeks to make sure that we were standing on our feet and we were doing, and he never again ever mentioned that he didn't build our house. And when we went our separate ways and went to Woodbridge, we were still friends. Never mentioned the house because Gene understood that that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to tell Buddy and Gay about Jesus. And others. And that is our, that's why we were born. You see, one of the best days of my life is when I share the good news with someone and they receive it and are, and are reborn. But I can tell you, it's been a long time since I've been outside the church on a mission. And I used to be on a mission because I felt like if Gene took the time to tell me about Jesus, it was my responsibility to tell others about Jesus. If you were here on Wednesday night at Revival, we had an awesome revival. I wish every one of you could have been here every night because Lane did a great job. As a matter of fact, I need to tell you, you were generous, all right. We gave him eight, we, uh, we took an offering of $8,000. So we blew through the $6,000. And, and he told me to make sure I let you know how grateful he was for our generosity, not only with our finances, but with our lives. And so on Wednesday night at Revival, Lane spoke to us about boldness from the book of Acts, from chapter 4 and chapter 5. And, and at the end of the service, he encouraged us to come to the altar, and he encouraged us to come and pray this prayer. Lord, enable me to speak your word with great boldness. And nearly everyone 
in the church that night made their way to the front. And we all prayed that prayer. God, enable me, enable your servant, enable me to speak your word with great boldness. And, and I got to tell you, I need to pray that prayer. And I've been praying it every day because I've lost my boldness, you know. I've lost my boldness to share Jesus with people. And I'm praying, God, give me that boldness. And help me not only to ask you for it, but God, help me to do it. Help me to be bold, not just ask you, not just pray, but get up from the altar and do it and be bold and trust that God is going to be there with us. And I'm thinking about that. If every person that calls Salem Fields Community Church, their church, whether you're online or in the cafe or wherever you're at, if all of us would pray that prayer and if all of us would become bold and we would step out of our comfort zone and no matter what anybody says about us or what anybody thinks about us, everybody else in America has a cause. Why can't we have a cause? And that cause is to win the world to Jesus. There are 60,000 people within six miles of this church, maybe more, maybe less, that don't know Jesus Christ and they will not know him unless we tell him. And that's why we're born to do. That's what we were born to do. We were born to tell people about Jesus. Can you imagine what our community would be like? Finally, we were born to serve. We were born to serve. A Danish proverb says, what? What you are is God's gift to you. What you are is God's gift to you. What you do with yourself is your gift to God. Now, have you ever thought about what your gifts and your talents are? Have you ever thought about uh, uh, what you're good at? I mean, maybe you're good at a sport or you're a strategic thinker or you're a great listener or you can motivate others to do something when you, when you speak or, or you're good with your hands or you're, you know, you're a good public speaker or you're good with math. Maybe you enjoy having people in your home. And so you ask yourself, what am I good at? What do I love? You know, sometimes we th I think we think that when we are going to do something for God, we got to hate it. But God wants to put us in a place that we like doing and what we're good at. And so... Ask yourself, what am I good at? And then ask yourself, what are you passionate about? You know, what makes you cry? I hate child abuse. I hate spousal abuse. You know, it makes me cry. What makes you cry? You know, what, what gives you great joy? I mean, what, what just makes you, I mean, it just thrills you when you see it happen. You know, what makes you angry? Is it sex trafficking or whatever? What, what makes you angry? You know, the, the scene that unfolded yesterday either makes us, I hope it either makes us angry or sad. It makes us cry. And that we will pray for that community. You see, these are just some of the questions that you can answer that will help us discover how we can serve others. And when you discover how God created you to serve and you start serving or working out of your giftedness, it's going to be the best day of your life because you and I were born to serve. Another way we can discover how we were born is to serve. It's just to serve and in, in developing our spiritual gifts. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. Every one of us. You say, no, I don't. I say, yes, you do. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. 
The Bible says, just as each of us has one body with many members, one body with many members, Saturday night, Sunday morning, online, and, and Smithfield. And these members do not have, all have the same function. We all have a different function. And if you're a part of Salem Fields Community Church, you have a role here. And if you're not using your spiritual gifts, there's something that God wants to do here that's not being done here because you're not using your spiritual gift to serve him. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. This body and the body at large. The body of Christ. And each member belongs to all the others. You go to this church, but we all belong to all the churches. We don't act like it. But we belong to each other. And we all have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let her teach. If it's encouraging, let her encouraging. If it's contributing to the needs of others, then give generously. If it is leadership, then lead and govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. You see, you were born. You and I were born. We were re when we were reborn, we were given a spiritual gift, a gift, gift or gifts. And the best way to discover your spiritual gifts is try to start serving in other ministries. In other words, what you're good at, what, you make, what makes you cry, and then start serving. Start using that gift. Try teaching. Or, or maybe lead a small group. Or open your home to a small group. Or organizing an event. Or playing an instrument. Or singing. Or working with children or students. Or getting involved in local, national, and international missions. Or helping mentor at Smith Station. Through the Pathfinder ministering. Ministry sponsored by our children's ministry. You know, I can't help to talk about that. But to say that, you know, we say, we say this. We say God has, uh, the, the schools have uh, removed God from the schools. We, we took prayer out, so people say, well, uh, we took God out of the schools. And to a degree, I agree. But do you know that every time a believer walks in the door, you know who's in the schools? Yeah, God's there. Every teacher that's a believer in Jesus Christ that I pray for every time I come through a school zone, when you walk in that school, they haven't kicked you out. God's still there. He's still right there, present. I think God got tired of us praying about it. He wanted us to do something. I don't know if that's true, but it makes for a good sermon. <laughs> you know, it's this, this mentoring program. Do you know how incredible that is? That this school has opened the door to God and said, Salem Fields, come on in. Because God's coming with you. I don't know if they know that. But we know that. You know, I, I can remember a few years ago, it's so hard to get people to do that. It's so hard. You know, it's hard for me. I remember a few years ago, they opened the doors for us to tutor. And, and so I go, and they give me a third grade classroom. And Reinhardt comes out, and we sit on these two chairs. I spent a lot of time in the halls when I was in school. But we, he came out, we sat there, and he was giving me these problems. I said, I didn't have this in school. <laughs> I mean, it's third grade. I didn't, we didn't have that in school. I don't know what the answer to that is, but you know what I got to do? Every week I got to talk to Reinhardt. 
I got to develop a relationship with him. And every week he'd come out, he'd bring out his homework or whatever it was, and he'd say, and I'd say, hmm. <laughs> but we'd talk, and, and he told me he played baseball, and he said, I, I played way out in Spotsylvania County. Gay and I went out, we had to look for the field, but we went to watch him play baseball. Now, I didn't teach Reinhardt a darn thing, but I shared Jesus with him. And I believe that Reinhardt's grown up now. And I believe he knows about Jesus. He may not be following him, but he's got a seed planted in him because the school's opened the doors to God. And he's opened the doors for us. Trent, my gosh. Trent, he's got this badge. He's a big, bad badge guy. And you know, he can go into, he goes into Massaponics, which I guess is a really, really bad high school. You know, every week he goes in to Massaponics and he speaks. They can kick God out. He goes to Spotswood on Thursdays. Not Spotswood, but um, Spotsylvania. You know, he even talked to one of the principals in our local principals about faith in Jesus Christ and what that meant. That's why God has called us to serve. That's why God, I believe, has opened the door for us in these schools so that we can serve. And there's nobody else, no more any more perfect for us to focus on than kids and students. Spiritual gift test is another way. And I got one right here. It's a spiritual gifts test. And it, you can answer all these questions on here. Uh, it's like three pages back, front and back. Really, really simple. You put your name and address on there, and that's pretty easy to answer. And then you fill this out. And uh, you, uh, at the end, you can determine what your three spiritual gifts are. Three most prominent spiritual gifts are and if you bring that back to us then we'll help you identify that and help you find a ministry that suits your spiritual gifts and you can try it out now you got to go out to the small group table and pick it up that's what you got to do if you want to know your spiritual gifts. I have people say to me I don't know what spiritual gifts is this will help you and so at the end of the service you just get your little self up and you walk right out there to the small group table and you pick this up okay and you take it, and then you bring it back, and we're going to help you out on your spiritual gift. Everybody needs another spiritual gift. You know, one day, Napoleon, this is a long time ago, and I've used this illustration before, he pointed at a map of China, and he says, there lies a sleeping giant. And if it ever wakes up, it will shake the world. Well, it's woken up. So that's kind of old, because China's woken, and it is shaking the world. But really... You know, that's what we believe about Salem Fields Community Church. We are a sleeping giant. We have a mission. And God gave us a mission to share real hope, Jesus Christ, with anyone everywhere. And if we would ever wake up and realize that, and if everybody that attended here would begin to serve others, we would truly change our community. I just talked to a guy, honestly. It, it was a, I, we have a little running joke. I'm always telling him to try out Chancellor Baptist and, you know, go, go somewhere else to church and all that. We just have this little thing going on. But he started crying almost. He said, it breaks my heart that we can't get people at Salem Fields to serve. He said, it breaks my heart. He said, we, just a few of us do everything. And he had tears in his eyes. Folks, I want to tell you, I love you, but you were born to serve. And if Salem Fields Community Church is your church, you are called to serve in this place.
And, and I dare say that you're fully committed to Jesus Christ if you're not serving in some capacity in your church. And if you don't like this message, you say you're going to go somewhere else. Well, that's the same thing you're supposed to do when you go there is serve. So you can either serve here or you can serve there. But you're called to serve. And I got to tell you, I, I, and I said, we love you and I love you. But I see people come in every Sunday, leave every Sunday, come in Sunday, leave every Sunday, and never do anything to serve. I thank God for the volunteers that we do have that serve faithfully every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. I appreciate them. But I got to tell you, it is time for some of you to get off your butt and serve and find your spiritual gift and do what God's called you to do. And that's, you know, I think of Jason. Jason has about 75 people in his church. He had 22 trunks last night. We were pulling teeth to get somebody to be a trunk at Salem Field. We got 30 couple. And I'm thinking, what's wrong? What is wrong with this picture? You are called. You were born to serve. And I got to tell you, some of you have been here a long time. You have not served. And it's time for you to serve. Because God has a place in this place for you if this is your church. If you say, well, I'm still trying it out. Well, try somewhere else out. But you're still called to serve wherever you go. And so I'm just telling you today, it's time to serve. It's time for us to tell others about Jesus, me. It's time for us to worship God with our whole heart. Folks, it is time for you and I to grow up in our faith. And one of the ways we grow up in our faith is when we're telling others about Jesus and we're serving. And if you don't know God, today is your day of your salvation. It's that time. And that's what you were born to do. You were born to do that. You might be an accountant, but you were born, you were born to know God. You were born to grow up in Christ. You were born to surrender your whole life to him. You were born to tell others about Jesus. We were born to serve him. And that's what we're born to do. And you might be here today and you say, you know what, I just feel like my life's in the dumps. I feel like it just goes, my life is just terrible. I'm living sorrow and disgrace and everything I touch turns to, turns to stuff. And, and I'm telling you, ask yourself, do you know God? Do you know him personally? Do you have a relationship with him? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you invited him into your life to be your savior? Are you growing every day? Are you growing every day in your spiritual life? Are you growing up in Christ? Are we growing up? Are you worshiping him with your whole heart? Are you telling others about Jesus? And are you serving him? There was a guy named George Herbert who once said, it's never too late to be who you might have been. So you might say, well, I'm too old. No, you're not. It's never too late. You say, I'm too young. No, it is never too early. <laughs> it's never too late to be who you might have been. And I would close by saying it's not too late to be who you were born to be. Father, thank you. Thank you for this group of people that have gathered here today, Lord. I pray, God, that the words that I've spoken, Lord, were your words. And, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive all that you have for us, God. And I know I said a lot of things that don't really matter to a lot of people, God, 
But there are some of us that needed to hear what was said today, Lord. And God, I needed to hear myself tell me, God, that I need to be more about the Father's business of telling others about Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would enable your servant, buddy, to speak more boldly, to be bold, to be bold and speak bold. So Father, I pray today, if there be those in this place today that doesn't know Jesus, that today would be their day of salvation. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'd encourage you right now to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Just pray that. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive me of my sins. I confess that I have sinned. Confess with my mouth that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my Savior. Just invite him in. And then you just say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for being my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for those who may have received him today. I pray, dear God, for those that are in his place today that, God, they're just, they're just going through the motions. Not really growing, just going through the motion. Been reborn, but not growing. I pray, dear God, that today would be the day that they determine that they're going to commit their whole life to you, God. Their whole life, everything, to worship you with their, all their heart, with all their soul and all their strength. It be those, Lord, today. I pray for each one that may be in that situation today. God, I pray for those that, that may be here and they've, they've been on the sideline a long time and it's time to get in the game. Everybody plays in God's game. We don't have people that ride the bench. But I pray for those, Lord, that may be sitting on the bench and may even clap for volunteers, but they scored a touchdown today. God, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts and that we would be more about the Father's business and that, Lord, we would be less focused on us and less focused on the things in our life and become more focused on who you are in our lives and who you want us to be in the lives of others. God, will you help us? We need you, Lord. So I pray for each one that's in that situation today, God. God, will you just blow up Salem Fields, God? God, will you just do something brand new, Lord? God, will you just turn us on our head, Lord? Will you start something here that's never happened before, God? Will you just start a revolution of men and women and children and students who just love Jesus? And God, that we're just on a mission to do what we were born to do, God. God, I pray you expand our territory. God, that you would help us. And thank you for the opportunities that you've given us, Lord, to be Jesus. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, could we stand and worship, please? Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for meeting with us here this morning, God. God, I just pray that you would just continue to help us discover our purpose, Father, and that we would operate in that, Lord, in every facet of our lives, each and every single day, Father. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. We love you all. Go visit the small group table. Get your spiritual gift test. Sign up for Trunk and Tree. Bring in some candy. And we'll see you guys here on Wednesday. God bless you all.